Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Tales from Tolt. My name is Dwayne Davidson, your host. This is a program where we discuss the fascinating and rich history of that place we call the Sonoma Valley, basically from Monroe to North Bend. Today, my guests are from an organization that's very special to me, basically the namesake of this program of Tolt Historical Society. Tales from Tolt derives from uh, my old hometown of uh, Carnation, Washington. My guests today are uh, Jackie Morris-Norris and Sharon Kerr. Can we just start off this program by both of you telling me a little bit about yourself and your involvement with, uh, with the association? Thanks, Dwayne. Yes, I'm Jackie Morris-Norris which my friends like to say and tease me about. And my family came here in the late 1870s. And so those were the Morrises and they homesteaded. And I am currently still on land that they homesteaded. So we have six generations here. My other grandparents, the Perry goes from Redmond. So that's, um, I have history from both sides. And I spent 11 years in California and realized that growing up and being in Carnation, Tolt was a pretty fantastic place to be from and to come back to. So I'm involved in the historical society and enjoy it very much and love to talk history. Great, Sharon. Thanks, Thanks for having us. I'm Sharon Kerr. I'm a newbie. My family uh, moved here in 1961 and my father was employed here. My connection to the Valley was short-term for a while. I went to high school, graduated, went on, and then came back. My daughter is currently living in the Valley in my parents' home. So, And then I was gifted a lifetime membership to Tolt <laughs> Historical Society. <laughs> little tongue-in-cheek. It was fun. And I got involved and started working with it and met the people that are associated with the Historical Society and thought that was, they were a fabulous group of people and um, they can't get rid of me now. <laughs> well, that's great. And Sharon calls herself a newbie, but there's some history there. There is. History. Father was a long-term uh, game warden of yes. the area and was well-known by many uh, because we were such a sportsman community back then. And so everybody knew uh, Mr. Kerr. And your mom uh, worked at the... Uh, a bank and mm -hmm. so there was a, everybody knew the ladies at the bank too so there's some history there and I uh, would want to make sure that any of the listeners to the program understand that the Tolt Historical Society is an organization that has some people that practically have no ties to the valley at all except that they moved here and so uh, we say these uh, to, just for a general interest and because it's fun but we don't want people to think that uh, joining the Historical Society requires you to have any heritage that goes way back. If you have a desire to uh, save and help preserve the Valley's history, they'd be more than glad to have you there. Uh, let's talk about saving and preserving the Valley's history that's done by the Historical Society. How long has this been around? Well, this, I believe the Historical Society started in 1983. And it was by a, a group that had belonged to a club. And that purpose of the club, I believe, was the library. And the library was in full motion. And so they moved on to another project. And preserving history of the valley seemed like a very viable one. And they, they found a place to gather their 
artifacts and log in their history and and um, yeah, and that was the beginning. And that's a that's a very worthwhile goal to have because these type of uh, you have peer groups all up and down the mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the valley. Duval has its own historical society. Fall City now has one also, uh, Snoqualmie Valley. So there's many people working up and down the valley to make sure that their own little neck of the woods is well represented. A um, little bit more about the about the history of the uh, society. Where is it currently located at? It's currently at the Yurtis House, which is the tree farm, Christmas tree farm incarnation. It's across from um, the middle school as you're um, coming into town. And you know the tree farm is there, but the Yurtis House, which was built in 1907, sits back a little bit off the property and there are some, some walnut trees. And so you don't, you don't see it, it's not pre prevalent. Um, out in front, but that's where it's housed. We occupy um, the bottom floor and we have tenants upstairs. So they help offset the cost of having a historical society and old houses know when they're not lived in. So that's lived in and it adds just to the health of the house. And it is such a, it's just such a neat old house. It really represents what a perfect setting for the museum. Um, the Tolta Historical Society has been through a lot when it comes to having a physical location. Not all historical societies do. Mm -hmm. Like we talked one of our episodes, we talked to the folks at Falls City, and they purposely have not went that route uh, because they kind of focus on different, uh, different ways to do their exhibits. But the Tolta Historical Society for a while was located out at Carnation Farms. Mm -hmm. And then we went to, we had some space at the City Hall and I'm not exactly sure where it all bounced around to, but we wound up here at Yurtis House with the invitation of one of their family members. Is yes. that correct? Yes. And it's a beautiful house and it's been, um, it's got, the house itself has quite a history, but it's, it's been restored um, to its original beauty. When um, Roger Thorson and, and his wife Vivian moved back in, um, all the trim work was painted and it had been painted more than one time. Mm -hmm. So they actually um, lost their fingerprints uh, in the process of taking it back to the woods. So it is beautiful. It's got pocket doors, um, which work. It's just a wonderful feeling in there. We need to mention, I think, that it's on the historic registry. So that's, that's really for King County and the state. I'm not sure about this. Yeah, that's something I should know. <laughs> it's the King County Historical Landmark in 1986, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are currently 22 acres left. There was much more acreage, but the land was donated to the schools and the International Order of Foresters Hall There's is there and Tolt McDonald Park. So they've been generous with their, with their land. For any uh, listeners I have out there that might be listening to all of my broadcasts, first of all, thank you. And uh, I wanted to make mention that if you have, then you probably know that the very first episode was these two guests. But we decided to re redo this uh, episode because of the fact in reviewing uh, this episode and preparing it for archive, we noticed that we referred to this place as being closed because at the current time it was closed. It is the pride and joy of this historical society for you to come out and take a look at it yes. and their exhibits. And so we felt that for archive purposes, 
we would redo this episode and emphasize a little bit more this beautiful historical house. So I think uh, last time, and I think it's good this time also, can, can we do just for folks to know what they are going to be able to see, can we do just kind of a little bit of a visual walkthrough of the museum? Because I think it really is gonna help you understand the, why there is a, a real purpose for you to jump in your car next time, uh, next weekend and come out and take a look at this place. Well, during the closures due to COVID, I had people that requested to see the museum. And because we are um, social distancing, isolating, I did draw up a little thing that I called a, um, a tour from the front door. And so if you come in the front door, which is a door that faces east, you come up on the nice porch and you come in the front door and to your left, there is what was originally the dining room and the groups that the volunteers that were putting the exhibits together elected to use that room for businesses that were active in the town in the past. And so it has exhibits for Miller's dry goods, the cannery, <laughs> um, the Grange store. The Grange store, yes, that was a huge thing. IGA. And IGA, the um, Carl's um, shoe shop. And we have other pictures, but those are the things that we have exhibits for in that room. As you continue to the left, you go into what was the farm kitchen. And currently it is set up exhibiting um, mostly household things. That, but the kitchen in the day was the heart of the home. And it was where people sat around and talked about the day, talked about business, talked about foolishness, raised their children. It was, it was where you were and coffee, whatever, cookies, whatever. It was, it was a very warm, generous place. But also the kitchen was a place where in the winter you would jump up and race down to the kitchen in hopes that someone else had already started the fire. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and then there are a series of what we call, what are called multiplexes, which are pictures that you can just fan through like a large book. Back into the foyer, there's another one of the multiplexes, which has a large number of pictures. So we're back in the foyer now, we can go to the right. That room is industry. We were fortunate to have a donation of a, a cubic art project, master degree art project that depicted the different industries in the valley, dairy, hops, and on and on. And, and it's beautifully done and, and the colors lend itself to exhibiting. And so in that room, we have exhibits of logging and farming and we have also, we have a small exhibit about the Snoqualmie Indians. This time would be a good time to note maybe that the land was originally a Snoqualmie Indian longhouse. Uh, longhouse and it was a very group oriented area because it was where the Tolt River and the Snoqualmie River come together. And so there were a lot of Indian activities there prior to 
being settled by um, farmers. And uh, let's see what else is now. Oh, and there's a few other things in that room. And then the next room back is an exhibit about schools. There are so many schools, some small schools that were in the valley and the schools education was important from the very beginning. And so we have some pictures of the schoolhouses when they're the one room schoolhouses and we have dates and things like that. And then on to the modern um, high schools and some of the pictures. And that exhibit is um, morphing some because we have a new high school that's actually getting old enough that needs to be recognized a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah. So in that room, the school room, there is a multiplex, which envision a great big book. And that's one of my favorite places to observe people because people will go in there and all their high school pictures are there. And these folks, I had some folks in their 80s and they are flipping through these pages and they find themselves and they see their friends and they start telling stories. And yes, they're 80, but they go back to being teenagers in high school. It's just amazingly heartwarming. It's, I love to hear them talk and reminisce and hear their heart and hear their stories and hear about their cars and their dates and leaving the farm um, to get to go to a ball game, uh, uh, the chores that they had to do. It's, it's uh, very interactive and very it's, enjoyable. It is a really neat exhibit because there's mm -hmm. all these pictures of these classes. Uh -huh. Told high school is never a very big class. So they fit on one big sheet. Yeah. And it's really good to watch people go through that yeah. and see people that they know, of not themselves, but see people that they know for younger generations to see their ancestors on there. <laughs> That's, which yeah. Yes, and is, they're black and white. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's kind of all together fitting and proper that there's such a, a dedication to uh, local schools and education in that house because that was a family that was very dedicated to mm -hmm. uh, education in the valley. If I, if I, I might be mistaken about that, but I believe that the Yurtis family was responsible for the donation of the land that the school sat Yes, on. yes, they were. And he was a board member, I'm going to say, Andrew Yurtis, for 25 years. They were very, very dedicated to the schools and library. the local community and, yeah, library, churches. They were very active in the community. And to add a little bit to uh, Sharon's uh, good walkthrough of the building, I'd like to just add that uh, Mr. Yurtis was a pretty successful professional of some type. I think he was a builder or something like that before they came to the valley and kind of farmed. He was and a bricklayer, yes. A, and so he had some means. And so the home you're going to experience is a little bit more stately of a home for a lot of the homes that were built during that era. It's a, it's a nice home. Yes, it is. And he was, a, they had a little bit of means to them and you could tell that. But yet it's still very much the farm. And even though it's not part of the walking tour or an exhibit, it's kind of off limits, but you're able to see it from the house. Mm -hmm. It's a very large barn mm -hmm. that has a lot of local history yeah, in, yeah. Its, in its own right. First of all, when the high school was located down there, all of us high school classes used to sneak out in the middle of the night and paint our class number at the end of that barn. That was a little prank that was done for very many, many years. My class didn't do that. My uh, class didn't do that. <laughs> it started back when the reckless 70s rolled around. Oh, and, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and there's history involved with that barn because there's some tales, there's some debate about this, but some say that that barn was actually built as an attempt to either block or 
gain a big settlement with the Great Northern Railroad that was looking to expand their tracks. And they weren't just looking, they had actually purchased right away all the way to Fall City, supposedly going to be a major railroad. And history tells us that that all stopped and they actually pulled up their tracks after being a two railroad town for a short amount of time. And they, uh, they decided to do other things, which was very odd because I think that most people regarded the Great Northern at the time to be the more dominant of the railroad than the two. So it was really a David and Goliath situation mm -hmm. that the Milwaukee Road uh, kind of went out in that, uh, in that situation. So it's a wonderful place to basically be able to visit because one of the highlights of the Carnation area is right at the end of the road, McDonald Park. Yes. And so people can really incorporate this in a family outing quite easily, isn't it? Oh, they do. Yes, yeah, they do. We, we get people coming in and you can tell they've been up hiking and, you know, they, and it's, or, it's great camping for the weekend. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great place. It's a great place. And there's some families depicted, family histories. I know that the Veronica's and a couple mm -hmm. others that you want mm -hmm. to talk about that that have displays that. Well, currently we're in the process of building a next, our next family display. And we don't have a good concrete plan yet on who we're going to feature the next one. And there are so many. Currently, we're working on exhibits to expand them and tell a better story as we're going. And so there's just so many, we need more volunteers. And so <laughs> there are just so many people working on, on those projects. And what, as Sharon brings that up, that what makes our historical society in our building unique is that we have a lot of artifacts, but when we accession and accept an artifact, it has something to do with the valley. We're not taking it just because it was old. We're taking it because it, uh, we can associate it with the family and how it was used. So there's, it's part of our story, but it's a story in and to itself. That is so neat. That makes it the story richer, but also more difficult to, <laughs> to get it to all to get together and to flow. Mm -hmm. And so with the, basically, three of us are doing the exhibits and refining them. And so that's, uh, yeah, it's a big task. The family thing is something we have always felt very strong about, but it's also a very big project. And so uh, decisions have to be made on which one is gonna be next. It's all about matter of priorities, isn't it? There's yeah. only so much time and so much money to go around to display these things. And while it seems kind of like almost, you know, kind of ruthless to have to, tell people that this might have real sentimental value to you and to your family, but unless it can be really tied into the grand scheme of things of what the museum and historical society is trying to do, we may not have a use for it. It needs to be something of, a, of an interest to more than just that one family. So mm -hmm. yeah, I would imagine sometimes that uh, is difficult for people to comprehend. So hey, we're going to take a, a break right now, and uh, when we come right back, we'll continue our discussions about the Tolt Historical Society. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Northwest eclectic music. Hi, I'm Seth Shostak, and I'm an actual scientist, although I don't wear a white lab coat. Maybe a straight jacket. I'm Molly Bentley. I'm a science journalist, and we are your hosts on Big Picture Science, bringing you the latest from the labs every week. So join us Thursdays at 6 p.m. for the coolest in science and technology, Big Picture Science. That's Thursdays at 6 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 FM. 
Okay, welcome back. We're continuing our talk with uh, Jackie and Sharon about the uh, Told Historical Society. And you know, where is the Told Historical Society located at? It is in the Hertus House in Incarnation, yes. Washington. And now, you know, many people are listening to this program will know what we mean by all that. But I bet there may be a viewer or two <laughs> that are listening from afar that says, why did they keep, is this a neighboring city or what is this all about? Why are there so many people that refer to this as told us only about the river? Uh, there is a little bit of an interesting history here for those that don't know it. So why is it the Tolt Historical Society and not the Carnation Historical Society? Well, it became Tolt on December 31st to 1912 when there were 300 people in Carnation. And that's at that time, excuse me, Tolt. Um, and it took 300 local in the town to incorporate it. So that was 1912 and, and life was good. In 1917, it seems that they wanted to change the name of Tolt to Carnation. So they took a vote. Now, the story goes that the people that voted on it, they weren't the locals, they were folks that worked here, but they really didn't have a stake in the town. But it did become Carnation until 1928. And they voted again, and it did go back to Tolt. Everybody was pretty happy about that except by that time, part of the town was known as Tolt, part of it was known, known as Carnation, and there was some confusion. So in 1951, they took a vote because the railroad had been called Carnation. The post office by then was known as Carnation. It seemed like the right thing to do back in those days. They had letterhead. They had lots of things that needed to have one town or the other on it, so it was turned back to Carnation. So that's when it became permanent in 1951. And if you do come into Carnation, on both ends of town, you will see a stone carn. It's a little monument, and it will say Tolt on it in rocks, river rocks. And that was done by David Entwistle, um, who was um, the founder of the town and Entwistle Street, where we have our one stoplight. He is the son that made those. And those were just his way of saying that the town, no matter what it was called, it would always be Tolt. So that's a shout out to um, <laughs> David Entwistle in Tolt, and we love those carns. <laughs> I find it I find it kind of uh, interesting when I think about this. You know, there, obviously everybody can kind of figure it out at this point. The Carnation Farms was a huge employer. Uh -huh. Carnation Farms was a was a major uh, influence to the thing, and so there was basically this movement afoot. I can only guess, and I'm pretty sure I'm 100 right on this to pay homage to the city. We had a name at Carnation. However, I find it ironic that one of the most beautiful buildings you will find in the town of Carnation is the Tolt Congregational Church, which is, I guess, was patterned after some type of a parish church in England somewhere I've heard, or England or Scotland, something that took the liking of Stuart that patterned that when the church had burnt down, the Tolt Congregational Church, he wanted to build this in memory of his uh, wife as a memorial, and that church has always been called Tolt Congregational Church. So the one building that was built by Mr. Carnation himself still has Tolt associated with that and, and didn't succumb to being called Carnation Congregational Church and many other entities like the high school and some of the things and even some newer businesses like Tolt Yarn and things have developed the, the or have kept the name of Tolt. So what we've done in, in modern times, when we're going to send a letter or a card, I will write Tolt Washington on it 
but then I use the zip code and we know these days they go by the zip code. <laughs> so um, I, I get my little tolt in there and makes people smile. Oh, that's a fine attitude. Well, and I recently <laughs> met a young couple that had moved to town and they understood that the, they're, they're interested in history and they understood the carnation tolt thing and they are actually saying that they're behind this movement. We need to change the name back to Tolt. So <laughs> there's still some of that kind of thing going on. It's not going to happen, not with the government involved <laughs> with well, the post office and everything. But it's it's kind of fun that everybody has this. Yeah. Yeah. The, the cost of changing all the maps. Yeah. <laughs> The railroad was a big one that was, I mean, the, the railroad, if, if I understand this right, and uh, Alan Miller and some other uh, very good historians out there about railroad history might be able to correct me, but by that time, they had already denied Carnation Farms of their spur being called Carnation because the town was named Carnation, and so the spur was called Stewart that was out, and so by that time, when the people said we want to name change, change the name the town again, the post office and the railroads, those were formable people that said, uh, no, we're tired of your guys' games. <laughs> it's this and it's just going to stay this. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that is when you come to town, they'll be able to point you if you're not familiar with Carnation and you're coming out from Seattle or Bellevue or something and you want to view this historical house and experience Carnation, do take a drive around Carnation and see some of, right now we're in the midst of construction, Oh yes. but there are some beautiful buildings and the Total Congregational Church is one of them. It's just mm -hmm. a beautiful, beautiful building. Speaking of buildings, uh, the Yurtis house was basically, uh, you were sharing. Well, it was built in 1907 by Mr. Hansen. Um, but what was interesting to me is that um, the wood came from the Preston Mill and I have listened to your other broadcasts and there was a gentleman there from Preston. So I we're gonna share a little Preston information with him that the wood came from there. Mm -hmm. Also, you mentioned the people co coming out to see the, the um, Yurtis house. Things that might help them is Northeast 40th. They're used to street numbers. Mm -hmm. Northeast 40th is the street that goes down to McDonald Park. And if you're going down um, Northeast 40th, you would turn left onto the gravel road to that says Yurtis House. Um, if the museum's not open, uh, you can drive by the house and see the historic house. It depends on, and we're usually open on Saturday, 11 to three, but other than that, it's still visible. <laughs> and like we said a little bit earlier in the program, there's a wonderful campground if you want to do yeah. a picnic and yes. stuff. At the very end, it, when I grew up was a dairy farm, yeah. of any shape of dairy farm. So what's next for the Historical Society? Let's talk about some of the future projects that might be in various planning stages. What are some of the ideas you're thinking about? One recent project that the Historical Society has taken over that I'm really delighted about, and they just we just completed another one, is the all-class reunion. Do you want to talk just for a moment about that? So yes, that's historically the first Sunday in August. And this year we had it at McDonald Park, down 40th. And we had over 100 people in attendance, which was wonderful. There was lots of room to visit. We had, we had a Model T there. We had a 57 Chevy. We, so we took pictures around those vehicles. And there again, I like to stand back and watch people visit who haven't seen each other for years. I actually was reunited with classmates that I haven't seen for 
30 years. It, it was very enjoyable. And um, there again, I, I said to this one gal, I said, I can, I'm right back there in high school. I'm right there back in the gymnasium with you. It was that, it was that great feeling. So we're continuing to sponsor that. I enjoyed the, the reunion. I was the representative for Told Historical Society. So I had a little, little booth and membership sign up sheets and things like that. And people would come by and talk to us about the museum. And it was very rewarding because they people that have seen in the museum were, were, were kind of impressed. And well, they were impressed, not kind of. Well, uh, I'm really delighted that uh, the Historical Society has taken up the cause of continuing the all-class reunion because I know it was possibly kind of going in a limbo there for a moment. And thank you for rescuing that. I'm sure that the Historical Society is going to continue working on many new projects to keep uh, changing uh, mm -hmm. and refining and making better the exhibits that you can that you can see there. One of the things I like to say in closing is that this takes a huge amount of volunteer hours. Money's always appreciated. If you can make a contribution, that would help. If you have more time, then you can dedicate to a project like this. Please look them up on the web and make contact with them because organizations like this desperately need the help because when it comes to preserving history and archives and things like this, they are very painstakingly difficult and time-consuming projects to do. Check out the museum, bring the family out here, and thank you both for being my guests tonight. You're welcome. And we'll resume next week where we talk about another topic of history involving the Sonoma Valley. So thank you, folks. Until next week. Bye-bye.